0: Hey, everybody. This is David Crennan, America's GM, and I am on Legends of Tabletop. Here we go! Hey everybody, this is John, and hey, this is Vince, and you're listening to Legends of
1: Tabletop. Creating legends one die at a time. Morning everyone, how are you? Good morning, Tucson Comic Con 2016, how are we today? Good! Good, alright, alright, alright. Well, first guest of today in, uh, in this room for myself, hi I'm Patty Hawkins, I'm with uh, Marco42, Geeks Comedy, and a bunch of other podcasts you probably haven't heard of, that's Okay. Um, and I am delighted here to have our, our first guest, a Q&A. Uh, man, a man of incredible contributions to uh, not only like, like, like seminal geek works, but um, a lot of other stuff that you probably haven't heard of as well. We're gonna go over that a little bit today. Give it up for Mr. Bruce Logan. <clears throat> Thank you. Welcome to Tucson.
0: Thank you very much. <laughs> My third visit, but one was only driving through.
1: Or really, what, what other business yeah. brought you here in the past? Right. What's what, what other business brought you here in the past? Was it actual gigs or convention
0: work? Uh, yeah, one was a gig, and um, uh, the other one, as I say, was driving through. Oh, there now, you go. Now, <laughs> <at> Comic Con. <so. laughs> yeah, very nice. That's good.
1: Let's, uh, let's take it all the way back to the beginning. Um, 1968, you were a teenager, and you had a major contribution to a little film called 2001. How did that evolve?
0: I did well. Um, you know, I had a lot of really great opportunities uh, uh, in my life, but um, I always seemed to be ready for them when they showed up. So that was the that was the thing. You do you do the work, and then then when you get the good luck, it uh, it's all worthwhile, you know. So I started off as an animator. Um, uh, when I was 12 years old, I had a fascination for uh, Disney films, and I decided I wanted to be, I wanted to be involved in animation. So I taught myself how to animate. So when the other kids are at the beach, I'm like up in my attic, like flicking through cells and stuff, and um, doing that kind of stuff. So that, um, that. Were can, you doing any
1: short films at that time, or was it just straight paper flipper
0: um, stuff? No, well, actually, that that the the flipper books that that precedes that even. Yeah. Yeah. I used to get books and draw little stick men in the uh, yeah in the corner. Yeah. Yeah. No. So um, I so I'd done a lot of drawings and then my uh, my father bought me a camera when I was 14 that took uh, single frame pictures. Um, which it was a movie camera, but you could you could shoot one frame at a time. Um, from with that camera, I was able to like put all my animation cells uh, onto a piece of film and watch them for the first time. So, um, I I made some little films. I made some dynamated films, and um, uh, that got me my first job uh, shooting animation for a little animation company in Elstree, England, called Stuart Hardy Films, and. Luckily it was very close to um, MGM Studios and when Stanley Kubrick came into town, who happened to be my favorite director, my, my dad had taken me to see all sorts of Kubrick films. and He, he was really the only director I knew by name and was like, like a huge fan of his. You know? So i um, like
1: Spartacus and Pass of Glory, that stuff.
0: Right. Man. <clears throat> Before
1: 2001, which a lot of people tend to forget about.
0: Yeah, Paz of Glory was the first one. Yeah. So, so he was making this little film in Elstree and they they, uh, needed uh, special effects people, so they hired me as an animation artist. And, um, you know, they put the word out that they needed people, but when you work for a company in England, uh, you're kind of a lifer at that company, you know, you don't, you don't, like, take a, a six-month job or something and, you know, expect to be hired back by that same company. But I was stupid and young and uh, I, I just uh, decided to take the job, you know, uh, and it turned into a two-and-a-half-year project. Wow. And uh, it was my film school. So
1: you were <clears throat> thrown in the deep end.
0: Indeed, gonna... you
1: were thrown in the Marianas Trench, really. If you're talking <laughs> of dealing on a Kubrick project, especially one as Seminoles 2001, which is very much an architecture project, as I call it. Which is without that, I don't think this subculture would probably be here. I
0: think you're right. <clears throat> so, yeah.
1: So without that, then we wouldn't have gone on to well. Before we get to the other stuff. Uh, At what point did you jump over to the United States? Because, uh, look at your dossier, you started to do Crazy Mama, Big Bad Mama, working on that, how did that evolve?
0: Well, um, after 2001, uh, Space Odyssey, and the effects director that I worked for, Doug Trumbull, was starting his own company in North Hollywood. And he asked me to come over and- If you haven't heard
1: of him, you should. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: He asked me to come over and work on a picture called uh, Zabriskie Point. And um, we went out to the desert and we let off thousands of pounds of napalm uh, with high-speed cameras in the middle of the night. And um, uh, they never used it in the movie, Uh, but then 15 years later, um, Ridley Scott was looking for a way to jazz up the opening shot of uh, his movie Blade Runner. And finally, uh, the work that we did that night uh, showed up in a movie.
1: <laughs> Talk about using stock footage, right? <laughs> so those those are kind of wilderness years for you. Uh, you kind of work. Um, you had a contribution to. I I never promised you a rose garden, right? Which I think is a very. It's a film that's become lost, and definitely I, I've, I've recommended it to people, and they've always said the same thing. It's like, well, how come I never heard of this uh, until now? Uh, what was that experience like?
0: Um, it was it was it was great. You know, uh, Anthony Page, the director, was actually. Uh, he knew my father back in uh, in the BBC, uh, my father was a BBC producer, oh. and uh, so he knew of Anthony. That's not why I got the job, I got sure, the job because, yeah. because of Roger Corman, and I was Roger Corman's go-to guy at the time. You know?
1: What was that like? Because of course, you know, there's several, people, several other guests, of course, are Roger everybody's got a fun Roger Corman story, what yeah. do you got for us?
0: Um, just, uh, <clears throat> well, I, I, I like the fact that uh, Gene Corman said, oh, yeah, we invented Bruce. I said, well, what about Stanley Kubrick? I think he has something to do with it. Uh, <laughs> you know? But uh, uh, I also directed a picture for Roger called Vendetta, having shot a, uh, um, a bunch of pictures for him. Uh, and... Um, I remember I got, you get, you get called into the office. The only, the only time you see Roger, when you're making a Roger Cromwell movie is you get, you get a meeting before you start shooting mm-hmm. and then he shows up on the set the first day and then, then you never see him again. Well, wow. not, not until post-production, you know? Right. so he, he came in and said, Bruce, I want you to like, uh, you, you're going to, you're going to shoot your first scene and then you're going to, you're going to walk away from the camera after the first take. And say, okay, we're over here. You, know, you don't ask anybody whether the shot was any good, or, or or anything about it. You don't listen to anybody that says, oh, we need another take. You just walk away and you you move on. You know, <laughs> so that that was his way of telling me I had to stay on schedule.
1: Because, yeah, so. it's still just amazing. You know, Kubrick to Corman uh, in a few years. Right. That's uh, you'd think normally you would be. For lack of a better term, it would be the opposite. You would start with somebody mm-hmm. gorilla like that. Um, and yeah, it was a, that,
0: um, a curious. But they were both very influential. Yeah, you know? no, absolutely. You know? absolutely. And my career wouldn't have been what it is without either of them. You know, I needed both of those influences. Then mm-hmm. you, know? you,
1: you had a bit role in a curious film I saw a long time ago uh, Dracula's Dog.
0: Indeed, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> I think it was renamed uh, Zoltan Hound of Hound Satan you know? or something
1: like right. that or yeah. whatever. But just just right. th- personally, I like Dracula's dog. I mean, that's, that cuts right to the and point, a, doesn't it? And that it? was
0: a that was an Albert Band picture. You know, yeah, who's not with us? But Charlie Band is still around making low-budget pictures, I think. You know, so he was he was kind of he was kind of a uh, he was trying to be a Corman, but right, but, but didn't really make it. You know, yeah, that that elusive Corman magic. Right. <laughs> One shot, move on. And I, I haven't seen that picture in a long time. That would be interesting to go back and look at that. It was 30 days in Griffith Park at night shooting a black dog, you know. And shooting a black dog at night is not a very easy thing to do. Well, so,
1: you're, you're pretty prolific in uh, your website, blogging and stuff of this way. Uh, you should sit, sit down and record uh, record a commentary track.
0: I should. Yeah, I should. that'd be a lot of fun. And I'll, I'll yeah. sit with you. Okay. All right. <laughs> and somebody had asked me to do that for Tron. He said you should do one for Tron, and you say start the DVD now, and then start speaking. Yeah. And, and then you're not, you're not running the movie, so you're not breaking anybody's copyright or anything. Yeah. You? But people would just uh, do it on iTunes or something. But I. I've never there. got around to it. So. We'll talk
1: later. Okay. That's one of my side right. um, Then of course, uh, you know, one of one of the major architects, like, 2001, and then the Star Wars. Of course, uh, you told the story so many times, but go ahead in your own words. Talk about uh, Alderon and the Death Star, and, and how it actually how you first got involved and in, in all that.
0: Right. Well, uh, I was first involved. Um, I I was up for the uh, for the uh, job of the effects director on the picture. So I was up again. I, I don't know who else was interviewed besides John Dykstra and myself and. Um, but um i had a like a, a live action career going I, I, was, I was doing a movie called jackson county jail at the time and uh, you know my my passion was really into uh doing live action and i really wasn't that interested in the effects mm-hmm. so uh, <clears throat> cut to um i don't know about eight months later so i didn't i i, I didn't get that job and um George just got back from England on Star Wars, shooting all the live action for it, and he suddenly came back and he saw that the uh, that the effects guys hadn't shot one frame of film while he was away. So he was like crazed, and and you know there was a very good reason for this that they were doing the. What's R&D? a crazy George Lucas
1: look like? <laughs> I'm upset. I'm just, I don't have any special effects
0: shots. <laughs> Uh, he's still mad about it, you know? I bet. <laughs> he, he is. He's, he's like, he's, he's... Well,
1: he, he, it was the biggest gamble of his life. He threw, he threw all of his American graffiti money into it and, and everything. And if it had gone south in any way, you know? Right. He would have been the American graffiti guy, whatever happened to him.
0: So, um, uh, so he was frustrated that the motion control system wasn't further along and wasn't able to shoot shots for him. So he had this, uh, harebrained scheme that, um, uh, He was going to get some puppeteers in black velvet suits and put spaceships on uh, black rods and fly them in front of the camera, you know, like this, you know, so... um, I've
1: seen children's plays
0: like that. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Here
1: come the flying monkeys!
0: So that didn't (laughs) work, but I had had a nice unit set up, and so we started to do the pyrotechnic work on uh, Star Wars. And... um, we, we had this little tiny unit and we shot on this little tiny hole in the wall stage called Berendo in Hollywood. And uh, we started off, um, well the, fir- the first thing we did was get the methodology down which was that we were going to make the explosions look like they were happening in outer space. And the, the way you do it, you know, you can't let an explosion off because you get like a mushroom cloud and it doesn't look like it's happening in space. So. Um, we shot the. We got directly under the explosion, and uh, we we put a couple of saw horses in a sheet of plywood, cut a hole for the lens, and had the camera looking directly up at the ceiling, and then put a sheet of glass over the uh, over the top, and then we had uh, we had a little um, bomb right over the camera, um, and our uh, effects guy Joe Viscosal made these little bombs and. Uh, he had a fantastic little box of tricks. I remember him on the first day. You know, I mean, we're all kids, and um, he he was mixing his powder in in what's called a changing a changing room, which was actually a little black box that wheels around on the stage where you go in and you load film into magazines and. Uh, and so he was mixing it in there and all of a sudden there was this big poof happened from inside the, uh, the room and he came out and his arms were all burned and everything. And um, uh, uh, it, it was... It sounds like that could have been worse than it, it was. It, it was uh, crazy, but the, you know, it was very successful. We, we did some small explosions against black and we shot them with a big VistaVision camera. And um, you know, like with all miniatures, It's, um, you know, the bigger the miniature is, the more realistic it looks. So we just scaled our whole operation out. And um, eventually we had like this 40 foot by 40 foot blue screen hung up in the ceiling on stage five at Producers Studio. We had a little wire hanging down um, uh, through the center of the rag. And we built a much larger version of this setup and we had like uh, eight arc lamps lighting up the blue because um, the, the blue screen, when you shoot it at uh, 120 frames a second, you got to put a lot of light on it to, to get it to, uh, uh, to photograph properly. So uh, it just got bigger and bigger. And I remember we used to, the bombs got bigger and bigger. And I, I remember we were just walking around the stage and I'm wiping burning napalm off my arm, you know. And uh, the, the, only, the only fire equipment that we had in there was like, one, one of the grips had a little handheld fire extinguisher and that was, that was our, uh, it's uh, much simpler days back then, you know. Now, now it would be a full fire crew and a water truck standing by. and right. uh, All that stuff, you know? <clears throat> Assuming
1: it wasn't installed on a computer to begin with.
0: Right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
1: I just got the computer guys to do that. So that, uh, that's, so you're on, it's just so interesting too, because you're on one path. You start on animation, then you, you're sliding into actual production, and then that pulls you into effects, and so then what uh what were you kind of like it's like well my resume is pretty discursive I mean
0: well, what was the, it like
1: what was, what, at that point would you where were you looking at for your next gig
0: um well I was always going to be a director you mm-hmm. know that's that's where I was headed and i uh, you know I made the mistake uh as a kid saying oh well I've done that um, I don't need to do that anymore you know and as you get older you start being inclusive pulling that oh I can do that and I can do that and then, and you pull it all together and um it's it's much uh, it's much better, but you're right. It's uh, people get confused. Uh, I've always been kind of a generalist, doing different things, and especially in the uh, commercial business, that's very confusing for people because they look on the, you know, it's, it's, well, I see ice cream on your reel, but we're doing frozen yogurt, so uh, I'm not sure you're the right guy for the job. <laughs> I mean, so, but, it's you, funny because it's true. <laughs> but uh, I, uh, you know, so. um, uh, yeah, I had a visual effects career, um, I had a, a, a DP career, and then I had a commercial career. You know? yeah. and,
1: uh, so you, uh, you bound from Star Wars, uh, your next thing that caught my interest was uh, your first collaboration with Joel Schumacher, and the Incredible Shrinking Woman. Yes. And the effect stuff on that. Um, how did that go from the gargantuan thing that was Star Wars, and then, again, People know it, was amazing. Incredible Shaking Woman is a little interesting. A lot of people have heard about it, but very few people actually seen it. Right. <laughs> and I still think to this day, I don't think it's been an official release on Blu-ray or anything. I could be wrong. I don't
0: think so. I do think I saw it on one of the uh, streaming channels. Okay, recently. Yeah. So I'm, I'm,
1: you know. But you, uh, you sent uh, Lily Tomlin down the drain,
0: I believe. I did, uh, down the garbage disposal. Yeah. Uh, I remember Thanksgiving Day we shot, and she's in the garbage disposal, and I'm here. And it's so surreal, you know. Lily Tomlin and me in the garbage disposal, handheld camera, you know. Um, but, uh, but you say it was smaller than Star Wars, but it was like the the sets were so incredibly big to make her look small oh, that, that, that uh, we were, you know, our lighting setups were really bigger than uh, all the stuff I'd done on Star Wars, you know. So. Uh, the, the, the other thing that I did on that picture, uh, I was kind of a specialist in process photography and process photography is where you get, a, you get a projector and you've got a background plate and you project it onto a screen and then you have actors working in front of it and you re- re-photograph it from the, uh, from the front. So it's kind of like a it's kind of like a dying art, you know. It's not really happening anymore.
1: In older movies that's usually the driving scenes. Yeah,
0: it's a, it's a you know and if you look kind at the movie Airplane, they do yeah, it very, really, really badly, which yeah. is the idea. <laughs> and the, know, the so. guy gets run over and right. stuff, yeah.
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so um, so um, this was an opportunity to do all all the visual effects for that movie were done as live action. Which meant that they were done either against a front projection screen or a rear projection screen. So there was no, there was no post-production involved in the effects whatsoever. So when I walked away from the picture, then all all the effects had been done in camera. Um, and um, you know, it's it's now I think it's a lot cheaper to have a you know a hundred guys in India rotoscope mm-hmm. uh, something than it is to actually have guys on stage shooting live action. So. Um, I don't think it was ever done again, but it was was, very very interesting. That was Joel's
1: second big film, wasn't it? I think he did Car Wash before that. Well,
0: he wrote Car Wash. He wrote Car Wash, yeah. Uh, And then he did another little TV movie before this, and this is... Oh, uh, uh,
1: Midnight at... uh, Amateur Night at at, uh, Dixie's. Yes,
0: exactly.
1: Which I've been looking for for decades. Really? Yeah, I saw it it as a kid, and I thought it was was delightful. And um, it's just one of those things that... When IMBD first came on out, that was like the third thing, I was like, trying to, what was that movie, like, hey, I found it, and right. yeah, so I've, I've never been able to find a copy.
0: But, uh, uh, no, Joel was a very, very interesting guy to work with. Yeah,
1: we'll, uh, we'll get to the, your second cut with him later on. Um, and then, of course, after that uh, is the big one, which is Tron. I think we all like that, and that is truly, a, no movie was ever shot like that before, and no movie will ever be shot like that again.
0: That's correct,
1: <clears throat> just by virtue of the fact of it was it was that it was just that moment in, in technological cinematic history where yeah, nobody will ever go back to doing it like that, and nobody could do it that, that beforehand. so
0: well, you could do it on a laptop now yeah because, uh, you know. <clears throat> but because just but not really because it had such an organic feeling to it, you know. It was, um, you know, bas- basically the process that we did for the electronic world is that I, I shot everything in black and white on double uh, X film um, of all the guys in the suits and everything, and um, they took every frame that I shot, well first they edited it to make sure they weren't wasting any, but they took every frame and they blew it up onto a codalith negative about this big, and then they made a negative of that, and uh, put it under the uh, animation stand uh, with blue-colored gels, and put diffusion filters over the. Uh, so it was—it it, was—it was really a full animation process. And in doing the live action for it, you know, other than the color live action, you know, the real—the real live action, um, it was—it was um, all—all was all done on the animation stand from live-action photography. So that, but there were, there were actually three, um, uh, three, there was, like, the straight live action, uh, and then there was the very first CGI that was ever done for a motion picture, um, which is, uh, it's not, um, you know, it's not very complex CG, and uh, you know the uh, the master control program is not one of my favorite CG variations. Uh, really? Yeah, it's the uh,
1: the big conical head.
0: Yes, yeah. Um, but uh, you know, those frames took uh, I think they took uh, like eight hours of frame to render on this, and and they were using uh, Cray two computers at like very high end uh, scientific facilities like. Hmm. Or, uh, triple i and different companies so so there was so there was the stuff we did in the electronic world um which had to blend perfectly with the cg yeah. and then the stuff in the live action so it was it was really an interesting challenge to do it
1: i remember i interviewed uh i interviewed box Lightner recently and uh, he was talking about how he bumped into a special effects guy and said like man i had to paint you for you know eight months right. <laughs> <laughs> just going over the lines and the coloring and and everything on else, um,
0: and I think it was one of the first times that any animation work had been like exported to different countries. So, they, right. So, so uh, a lot of the cells were sent to uh, Korea to uh, to be, and there, there was no way of like, you know, there were, there were no translators. So yeah. they had to they had to come up with like a a system of uh, uh, you know pictures, kind of telling telling them what to do. You know, I guess it was the. Early emojis. So, yeah. couple, really couple
1: of years ago, I saw a deep cut cosplay. A guy was going around as a Tron character, but it wasn't lit up. It was the black and white original, like production that you guys right. <laughs> designed. Right. And I walked up to him, and said, "I actually get that. It's like, thank you." Now everybody thinks I'm just lazy, you know. <laughs> but that's uh, well, yeah. and um, and so, and still so to this day, people. Uh, People talk about, in just the past couple of years, people have started retalking about Tron again. Um, did they bring you in at all in the uh, the sequel in any capacity? Um, consultation? No, or? Ex-
0: except for the actors. the The only person that the uh, uh, Joe Kaczynski wanted. Hey boy, he didn't want anybody from the original. Mm. In uh, uh, but the, contractually, they were obligated to have uh, the Obi Wan Kenobi, which was a. Uh, uh, steve Listberger, who had directed the first picture so sure. he kind of came in and because he actually in his contract for the first one he had he had a contract to direct any sequels oh. but I guess he gave that up for a producer credit and uh, oh, fair enough but uh, uh, and of course all the methodology and everything was a uh, was a lot different uh,
1: again um, there's just yeah <laughs> right.
0: so just a, just a couple of things on the um, on the original that we did, one, one of my contributions to the picture was we did an early screen test with uh, Deborah Harry who was going to play the Cindy Morgan role. So mm. it was like, a, it was a proof of concept of, of, of doing that, or, um, um, doing the methodology all the way through and, and it was an acting test for, for, uh, for Deborah. And um, they had... Decided that they wanted to do the characters and everything in the frame was going to be white, and um, the problem was doing everything that's white is. It means that you've got to light up every corner of the frame, yeah. you know. So it would have it would have been an impossible amount of light to to use. So I I came up with shooting it against black because when if you're shooting against black, um, you don't have to. Um, you only have to light what you, what you see or what you want to see. And you know, black falls off to black and so it is what it is. So, um, but it took a, a tremendous amount of light to, to do all that work. A, because um, everything had to be in focus because it was a graphic process. So when, all of, when you made all those codoliths, the codoliths had to be absolutely sharp and there had to be no motion blur which uh, means that you have to do a very short exposure on the film, and that requires a tremendous amount of light. And um, because the thing is, if a character moves, and you've got like fine white, uh, fine back black lines on the suit, when their arm moves, um, and it goes to the high contrast they all the detail just drops out while while it's moving. So. Um, so we were like welding with light, or uh, on that. I'd never used so much light in my. We had uh, two calls from Burbank Water and Power, and they were going to shut the studio down twice because we were drawing, drawing too much amperage. In it. Wow. So. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Taking too much. A lot of
0: light. Did you work on? Um
1: Walter Cronkite uh, did a little like thing for uh, sixty minutes. Uh, He did a little special effects thing, Tron style. Did you? Were you involved in that? No. Okay. Just. Random curious thought. Oh no,
0: I know. I, yeah, I actually, no. What, what it was, he had that. his
1: own he had his own series at the time, and he did something about the effects of Tron, and they shot a little demo reel of him in the Tron universe oh. and things were zapping or I'm Boulder good here. At the computer. <laughs> Whatever. You can I find love- it. You can find it on YouTube. It's, it's 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 a cute little just a little like sixty second thing of I him doing awesome. Yeah, it's actually it's it's quite delightful. Yeah. So, oh, um, and speaking of delightful, um, you had a you had a little contribution to Airplane as well, didn't you?
0: I did. I was. Uh... Once again, I have my own little uh, unit, so I, I was uh, actually the effects director on I mean, it. My credit is uh, um, visual effects uh, director of photography. Um, but I did all the uh, skidding down the runway stuff and all the, the plane flying, and, and you know, I've never had a, I've, I've never had- a, You're responsible for air real? What? You, <laughs> you did yes, air real? The <laughs> beard. <laughs> So, yes, indeed, yeah, <laughs> running down the road. I still have the storyboards from that. And it really? Was, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, um, yeah, pub- I've to- Yeah, publish those on your site. That'd be fun.
0: I should, I yeah. should. Uh, I've never been asked by a director or directors, three of them, um, to... Said we want we want you to do some special effects and we want them to look really really bad, so, you know, so that was a first and a last. So, you know, <clears throat> but it was a really a really fun project. You know?
1: Did the uh, the the radio station where disco lives forever? Yeah. You yeah. did that was one of yours.
0: Yeah. So yeah. What, actually, what I did, I had a backdrop of Chicago and I, I turned it on its side and turned the camera on its side, and then the, so the the mass was sticking out sideways. Well, we just shot at high speed and dropped the plane, or uh, dropped the plane so it smashed through the uh, the mast. You know, and very great. low tech. You know?
1: And that's definitely yeah. one of those. Got in Corman terms, you got to get it in one take. Right. Right. And that that was up. That was kind of a peril with a lot of the effects stuff you've done. That was kind of you we know, got one shot at this for the most part. Otherwise, with but especially with miniatures, you know, blowing them up and stuff. Right. So that's yeah. That's but and then. Um,
0: Unlike the stuff in Star Wars, actually, where we could, the uh, the Death Star explosion, uh, everybody always asked me, well, how big was the Death Star? I said, well, actually, no, there was never a Death Star there, because yeah. because uh, they, there's a shot of the Death Star, and then the first frame of my explosion is actually bigger than the Death Star, so really all they did was they cut to the first frame of my yeah. explosion, and it, and it covered the Death Star. You know?
1: Yeah, that was... In the original part of the film, yeah, it was, and, and again, guys with the old VHS days, this, the first generation of hardcore Star Wars fans were freezing every frame, and yeah, I remember there's a little point of trivia, you can see the frame where the Star just disappears and then there's the an explosion, right. and you know. <laughs> now of course it's all been dressed up and fixed up, and yes. I think your your explosion has been replaced, un-
0: it's, been, it's been defiled, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With that uh, well, ring of Yeah, well, I think, star, uh,
1: so. I, I can't remember. Is is the is the original cut been finally put out on Blu-ray again? Is anybody out there? No, OK. You know, my day job's for Disney. I should know these things. Anyway. <laughs> well, then you, in the 80s, you knocked around. Uh, you started to, uh, uh, you did Madonna's Borderline video. I did. Well, what was
0: that like? That was, uh, she was a very confident young lady that uh, came in and knew exactly who she was. And, uh, <clears throat> uh, it was, you know, we, we didn't know she was going to be a big star, but she did already. Yeah. And, uh, uh, it was, it was a fun little project. You know?
1: Then, then, um, you also worked on a George Carlin's special playing with, uh, playing with my head. How was, what was that like?
0: Uh, well, he was great. Um, it was a combination of a, um, doing some live-action sequences that was supposed to look like old noir black and white so that was that was a lot of fun mm. to do and I'm, I'm very proud of that work I wish I could get a copy in HD and then uh, um, also a concert movie so it was like shooting a little rock and roll concert comedy concert <laughs> and, did, then, and then then putting these he
1: things. talks a lot about it in his uh, in his book which actually was off of recordings after he posts away but uh, yeah I don't know as a maybe maybe it was fine for you but it was a troubled for him to get it off the ground initially and so but uh, yeah, it's, it's floating around out there i remember i think it, hbo ran it really briefly in the 80s
0: right so it, was, it was originally supposed to be
1: yeah it was supposed to be yeah, a, a concept for a film he wanted to do but just never got off the ground
0: oh i didn't know that
1: yeah i think he was basically he wanted to do his own kentucky fried movie actually okay. he didn't <laughs> want to do it he was kind of cajoled into doing it everybody right. was like oh you gotta level up george you gotta do this and he was like no he he just wanted to do stand-up that was See, was by the thing.
0: time it gets to me, it's a job. So yeah, it's yeah, already... And it's a reality. Pretty much, already, already got it. You don't get all that heartache, you know?
1: So was like, oh, you also did effects for another film that's kind of been forgotten, but I always found delightful. Uh, you did the effects for Deal of the Century.
0: I did. Chevy Chase,
1: Gregory Hines, you did all those jet scenes. Yes. Which I thought was
0: awesome at the time. <laughs> they, they I, I thought they were pretty good. They were, um, they were all done... Um, uh, front projection and rear projection. Um, so once again, they were all all done in camera. So what you see on the screen, there's no optical process involved in any of them. And for, a, uh,
1: for a comedy, <clears throat> those aerial combat scenes are actually pretty engaging.
0: I thought, I, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> no, than they
1: were, you know? It was, it was, it was like that, that and Firefox were like, like these two, hey, these were like non-space film aerial combat movies that I thought were like pretty solid, so.
0: Well, I got my Director's Guild card on that movie, so that's memorable. Oh,
1: that's a good card to have. Yeah. They got, they got better health than the Actors Guild, I don't know. Oh, uh, they do. So, uh, tell us about your association with all the uh, Super Bowl spots. How'd that come about?
0: Um, well, I, I you know, I had an unusual commercial career, because uh, normally a director is attached to um, a, a house, you know. They always said, well, who are you, uh, you know, and, and I was always a, a freelance, uh, freelance director, um, which meant that I worked for uh, production companies that didn't have in-house directors uh, that had relationships with an advertising agency, and they were able to plug my reel into uh, a, a project with a, with a given agency. So I had this... Um, you know the the great thing about working for a company is that you always work with the same people every day, and uh, you know it, it, it's a lot less work. Whereas I was like, um, I I walked into town and uh, kind of reinvented the wheel every time I did a spot. So I would go, yeah. I would go into a small small town like Charlotte or something, and you know find a crew that I could work with and. Um, I usually manage to bring one person with me. Usually, my assistant director, you know, or sometimes my key grip, if it was a heavy, heavy shoot. But um, so um, yeah, a lot of the, a lot of those are uh, uh, the Super Bowl spots were for, for, for smaller companies. Actually, one one was for Disney. Um, and we shot that at the Disney Studios, and that was fun. But it, it's it's always good doing those spots because there is money available to uh, to to make it look good, you know.
1: True that. True that. Uh, you got pulled back in. Uh, Joel Schumacher tapped you again for uh, Batman Forever. Uh, how'd that work out?
0: Uh, that was um, of, of movies on my uh, um, uh, on my resume, <laughs> uh, apart from. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, apart from Blade Runner which is not on my resume uh, because, you know, because even though I... We could spend an uh, hour just on that if it was. Right, uh... right. Um, It was, you know, I really did, I did some plate photography, I did some rain photography, Mm -hmm. I was really doing, creating um, uh, elements for the visual effects. Okay. And I did a a bunch of helicopter work where I went up and right when, when they're um, when you know when the big safe is dangling out yeah. the helicopter it's they, boiling uh, acid oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. uh so i did all that stuff so but, but so actually uh, it was it was a good credit for not very much work know.
1: Yeah. there you go there mm-hmm. you. Go. To be, you know. and then um then the really big one fear and loathing in las vegas oh. yeah which i think it's about to hit its 20th if it hasn't already
0: Wow, which just doesn't scary. feel like it yeah that's I know scary.
1: yeah I know that um, first of all working working with Gilliam working with Johnny Depp and again that that film is, is... You, know, people, you know people always say hey well let's, let's drop something and go see it it's like I, I walked out of that movie like dizzy then disorientated and my friend I watched we it like, we were like Denny's afterwards like, I am like you know, yeah I'm the same way man it's like I'm high just by watching the movie <laughs> Right. Yeah. I was just so. What was uh, what were your contributions on that?
0: Um, Well, um, I first uh, read the book uh, in the in the uh, seventies, and I picked it up in Peter Fonda's office. I I did a movie. I shot a movie for Peter called uh, Idaho Transfer, Mm. and um, so you know it was kind of compulsory reading for the cult. Uh, Counterculture. You know, you had to, you had yeah. to read, you had to read this book. You know, and uh, it was amazing. So, um, reading about the grey whale and the red shark, which were the two cars that are, um, uh, Johnny drove in yeah. the movie, you know, all those years ago, and then to be putting them on film like 20-25 years yeah. later was amazing. You know. Uh, so it was my um, the. Um, my friend Elliot Rosenblatt, who just uh, produced a little feature which I just finished writing and directing, has um, well, been a friend for a long time, and he was the one that originally pulled me into the meeting for um, with uh, Terry. Terry looked at my reel, and, and I wasn't really up for the second unit mm-hmm. job, but by the time I walked out, I had it. You know, so one of those things. You know.
1: Did I ever come up, that, you know, you guys both started in animation? Did you guys ever talk animation? Did you, ever, you guys ever geek out about anim, old school animation?
0: No, but I, I do wish I had those napkins that he drew, drew all the storyboards on for me Oh, say, hey, no. let's do this. And, you know, it was sitting in a coffee shop. And, yeah. And uh, I, didn't, I don't think I have those anymore. Ah, oh, too know. bad. Yeah. But, uh, <clears throat> no, it was my uh, August, August in Vegas, you know. So, um, very hot, uh, but a lot, a lot of fun. And, you know, um terry is very tough in the uh, dailies room you know he said oh well why didn't you get the art department to paint those layers this. This? hey what about this <coughs> what about he's got that yeah. he's got that he's got that austere way of talking <laughs> so,
1: well like the python days yeah that's... Uh,
0: but uh, he used almost every frame of film that we shot for oh, uh, that ended up in the cut so that's that's got to say something you know so that is good, that that's
1: good that's good i remember just a. Uh, I remember the first time uh, an, an executive—the story about the, the first time an executive saw it and uh, freaked out at the way Johnny looked. It was just like you shaved his head, and the, the freaked out. They were like, "You've taken the the affability out of Johnny Depp." And <laughs> they were like, "He's a sex symbol. No one's going to want to see him by Johnny Depp." So he's playing
0: a real character. Yeah, I know. Really not, that's, oh Johnny.
1: <laughs> My God, there I am. Yeah, yeah. No, there is. <laughs> They became friends afterwards and stuff they were like really tight and too much what uh so what's been on your plate the plate recently you like I said you uh you're very active you got uh, you know bruce film dot com
0: right well I uh you know I've kind of fully embraced the uh, digital age which uh, a lot of my uh, uh compatriots my age don't seem to want to do you know so at the ASC clubhouse I heard all this th- oh gosh you know films Film's going to be here forever, and uh, you know, digital's just not good enough units. And, but I've, I've been a very early adopter of it. Um,
1: You're the Amish guy we see at Starbucks.
0: Right, exactly. <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, I'm on the technical committee at the ASC, so all the new cameras come through, and mm-hmm. I get to see those. And I've been a colorist for uh, uh, about the last five years, which means I work in a program called Da Vinci resolve and um, you know the, the unfinished but cut movie comes through my program and I twist all the knobs and I give the uh, all the images a real attitude to them and a, and a look apart from just balancing the shots out. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've been doing that for a while. Is it,
1: is it possible with that technology to take a, a modern film now and give it like a classic Technicolor look? Absolutely. Because I wish somebody would do that. I wish somebody now could get that three-strike look to a film, you know? and It had to be somebody after they set on it, too. But I've always been curious, about. Like, yeah, is there...
0: Is and, then, and, and the new Resolve is, like, uh, I think is about to take over from Final Cut and uh, Premiere. And uh, this little feature that um, I finished cutting, um, I haven't finished cutting, that I am cutting at the moment, I'm so glad to be here in Tucson away from my desk right now because I'm a one-man operation but um uh has has now got full editing capabilities and I think it's the I think it's the future of editing. Mm, right what's now. that called? Uh DaVinci Resolve. DaVinci Resolve. Okay. 12.5. All right. So um so yes, yeah, so um you know, I don't do a lot of commercial work anymore, but I do um uh I did find a little story that I really liked and uh, wrote a script from it, and uh, in August I shot for 11 days with some extraordinarily good actors, and I'm now putting it together. And it was uh, self-financed, and uh, so I'm really kind of out out on a limb with this one. Uh, So we'll see what happens. And Uh, what is that called? It's called Lost Fair. Lost Fair? Right.
1: Fairs and cab fare cab or fairs? Okay, cab right. fair. just make it exactly, <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah.
1: All right, so that's gonna be uh, shuffling that around the film festivals, or are you gonna go um, just straight um, to YouTube?
0: No, I think uh, I think I'd hope to uh, have it ready for uh, uh, Sundance, but uh, all right, uh, I'm a month late. So uh, that's not going to happen. But, yeah, but uh, you're plenty of festivals.
1: yeah, but you're Bruce Logan. Come on, now. Yeah, come yeah, on. Yeah. You, you know, you know where the bodies are buried. <laughs> can, uh.
0: But but I can't uh, uh, I can't rush it, you know, because no. it's a labor love. So
1: indeed about that, indeed about that.
0: Yeah. Anybody have any questions? <clears throat> yeah. What, what's your most favorite project? That Gosh, they've all been so great and so different. You know, you, I could say 2001: Space Odyssey because you know I was growing up, I was a kid in the film industry. You know, Tron because it was so um, um, you know so groundbreaking, and um, you know it was a bunch of us kids really making the movie. Um, and then probably uh, my own last feature. Yeah. <clears throat> so it changes, but with your kids yeah exactly exactly
1: where do you keep your emmys because you have two of them
0: i do well um the the, the kids kind of broke the wings off for uh, one of them and i've never really <laughs> had it to place so uh but it's it's sitting up there with a lot of glue on the uh, on the wings you know um
1: that's kind of awesome. The only better than that would be like some kind of tape or something. Right. <laughs> 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 Mr. Special Effects <laughs> guy with uh, about his Emmys. <laughs> the irony of that writes itself. Yeah. That's very good. Yeah. And uh, when you're in the Dominican Republic, we refer to you as Sir Bruce Logan. Is that That's correct? That's right. Yeah. How did that come about?
0: Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I go to a film festival. Yeah, that would be. <laughs> I don't you know. know I go to a film festival there and um, I I. I I shot a movie for a very good Dominican friend of mine, um, who would always get me invited to the, um, uh, the Dominican Republic and I was like, um, he's very good friends with the president and I was asked one day to, the president couldn't make it, to open this car dealership, so I was the, um, they, they sent me as the embassy, embassy or. Uh, the ambassador for the uh, for the president, you know, and I said, oh, "Really? Because this is, this is... I hadn't met him at that time, yeah. and I had subsequently met him." And then the next year that I was at the film festival, they they kind of like sprung it on me, and you know, They said, "Well, we're going we, we're going to this little event," and uh, so I'm sitting next to Benicio del Toro, and I'm, couple of other people, and we're all uh, we're all given nightwigs of the uh, Dominican Republic. So wow. you know. And I was the only guy that didn't thank anybody in Spanish, so it was a little embarrassing. <laughs> but, uh, thank you very great. much. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, does that? Did you actually get to kneel and do the sword thing, or did it just like go no, a little a, thing around a, your it's neck? A, yeah. It's
0: more like a you get you get a little. Uh, it's it's more like a medal. Medal, okay. You know? And then you get the little medal for the if you're wearing your tux, you know you get oh, the small yeah, version right. of it, you know. And there, uh, and a nice. Do you shirt, wear it on your tux? And a nice plaque, you know? No, I don't. Oh, okay. okay. Oh, yeah, I do that. That'd be good. Right. <laughs> That'd be right. Hey, <clears throat> All right. Well,
1: I'll go ahead. Oh, yeah, young, yeah, go ahead.
0: I was late. Where do you call for? Do you have multiple homes? Uh, I live in West Los Angeles now. Um, I've lived in LA since 1968, uh, and I was born in Central London and raised in uh, Watford, which is in uh, Hertfordshire, one of the counties north of London. And you can still hear it; you can't uh, can't get the accent out of me. Yeah, there you You go.
1: Well, I threatened I I would lay this on you today. Um, You worked on my favorite movie of all time.
0: Wow. I have been giving this some thought because you it teased is, me with it. That's right. And I have no idea what it is.
1: It's not Star Wars. It's not Tron. It's not 2001. You worked on J Men Forever. J Men Forever? J Men Forever, according to IMBD. That was the one the Fireside Theater guys did where they edited all the scenes of the old movie serials. Oh, right. Philip Proctor.
0: Yes wow that is yeah that's if anybody's awesome. unfamiliar
1: with this film a couple of guys on fire sign theater they did a what's up tiger lily thing they took a bunch of footage from the old cliffhangers um uh, captain america shazam a couple of the spy ones and stuff they took footage from this and they re-edited it together and re-dubbed the whole thing they shot some original scenes with philip proctor two of them and i assume that's what you worked on <clears throat> Uh, just yes. black and white noir scenes of them in an office, like, let's send the Cape Madman. And then you'd see Captain Marvel saying, oh, fuck <laughs> Night Flight in the 80s showed it. I taped it by accident, and it's just full of the ridiculous puns and silliness. But what's amazing is that it's an amazing beat of back engineering where they took all this discursive footage and they actually made a pretty cohesive narrative about it. And. Uh, and yeah, don't. I make mean, no apologies. It is my favorite movie. So, right, uh, <laughs> that's, <great>. that's fantastic. <laughs> and uh, okay. so, yeah. So I guess thank you
0: for that. You're, you're very, very welcome.
1: Reason. You're very welcome. So yeah, you uh, see, so I, I again, I'll assume if you can remember, you probably did the the live action stuff. Yeah. the the lighting and yeah. um, all right. And that's all you yeah, remember. Yeah, that's right. fine. That, that, no, that's fine. Know, yeah, that and I had to a little remind little you much. of it too.
0: Yeah, no. don't, don't ask me about any anecdotes for that. that no, I don't.
1: don't I didn't expect you. to. I just I was, <laughs> I, was, I was compiling your dossier, and Amazing. I like did a backflip. <laughs> <laughs> <You know. laughs> so good. But thank you for that contribution to that. Yeah, that's. Yeah. You, I, I, I throw the copy of Friends. It's the only movie that I try to throw, throw this and watch that. And like that was that was hysterical. Well, you're welcome. So. Um, anybody else got any uh, questions you want to throw out? Yeah. Are we able
0: to take the wonderful gentleman sitting up there? Or sure. The yeah, sure. Absolutely. don't okay.
1: you guys all smile and blush whatever you do. And I figure
0: it out. Okay. <laughs> Just tell us a bad joke. <laughs> as long as I get a copy. <laughs> okay.
1: All right. Go to the website. I know how to do that. Okay.
0: That's great. Well, that's great. I really appreciate everybody being here today.
1: Just out of curiosity, since we didn't get it, set it up, uh, was there something that you would have shown us? I that just we would have really
0: sh- showed you my reel, you know. Oh, okay. It's a
1: reel. Oh, let's smile. Right. Okay. Hold <laughs> on. Okay. There
0: it goes. Great. It's a fossil. <laughs> <laughs> like
1: <the oldest. clears throat> we do the. Uh, so tell us about this effect scene.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> what was. Uh, was there ever something that maybe a gig that you you wanted at the time and didn't get, but maybe you're glad you didn't? Um, Later on, it turned out to be a, a, an atrocious shoot or just a lousy job. Or
0: well, yeah, there was one job I went after that I didn't get, which was um, uh, the Italian job, the remake of the Italian job, ah. because it was it was a favorite movie of mine uh, growing up because. Uh, I had a mini, and mm. I've always had a mini, and I've raced minis, and I still have a racing mini. Um, and um, so I, I, and I knew the production manager, so I like I would repeatedly try to get a hold of him. And and then um, the producer told me, after, you know, after I didn't get it, the producer told me uh, it was just the worst possible wow. experience making that movie that you could imagine. So I still would have liked to have been on. That, you know. <clears throat>
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. So um, yeah. you'll be uh, you'll be with us here this weekend. I uh, you got your little spot downstairs. So if you yeah. want to get uh, pictures and autographs, certainly available. Uh, you have brucelocanfilm.com, and you can do your, some blogging and stuff like that in there too. Correct?
0: I do, and I do I do a blog um, on uh, Zakudo's website. That's right, zakudo and those are general filmmaking or, uh, uh, tutorials. So how to shoot rain sequences, or um, you know, yeah. my ten, what, what I learned from 10 different directors, and uh,
1: that's, that sounds yeah, pretty good. Yeah. And uh, we're actually, we're back uh, later on this afternoon at uh, three o'clock, we'll be back in here talking about uh, filmmaking and stuff like that, but um, just, we'll leave it on this, um, what advice would you throw at an aspiring filmmaker today?
0: um probably the same as I got that it's your that it's your passion that's going to carry you through but unfortunately the bad news is that um, um, that it's very very much harder than it was when I was growing up you know because
1: uh, and you started in the attic drawing fiction on the flip exactly
0: but I guess I guess the the answer is that when you go for a job which, which goes back to what I said at the beginning, um, you know, be, be ready for the opportunities that come your way. So, um, you know, you, you, you're gonna need some good luck to get the uh, career started, but, you know, lay all the groundwork uh, so that you're ready when you take that meeting. Sounds good, sounds good.
1: Round of applause for our guest here, Mr. Bruce Logan.
0: Yeah. Thank you very much. So, Thank, much you. Thank you, man. This was wonderful. This podcast is a proud member of the Legends of Tabletop broadcast network. For more gaming-related content, please visit www.legendsoftabletop.com.